Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to this free episode of Dunked on Prime. Nate and Danny are going to give their grades for several Western Conference teams. If you'd like their full Western Conference grades and their Eastern Conference grades, all ad-free and much, much more, you can subscribe to Dunked on Prime at dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkedon. Not supporting cast. Not FM. All right, time now for the one true conference, uh, the Western Conference, because that's where we reside. Although I'm, I'm not really in a conference right now. This is uh, <laughs> this time well, thing for well, Europe. I, it, there's a reason I'm not here during the season. <laughs> if if Adam Silver has this, or that was that Stern or was that Silver who wanted a lot of European teams? That was that was Stern, right? Uh, I mean, I think everyone kind of kind of does. Uh, I mean, I still think. Well, this is this is another reason why they should reduce the schedule to two games a week, and then it might actually be doable. That's true. Um, uh, but we yeah. can we could start with the the Dallas Mavericks, and I, I think the Mavericks had such a fascinating offseason because there were a lot of things here that I truly loved. Like they did a number of different things that were genuinely impressive. Like they moved down two picks to offload Davis Berton's contract, which is about, I think it's, I mean, 20, 22 million, in, not fully dead, but like dead-ish money. And yeah, they, yeah. So 17 this year, 5 million guaranteed next year. And they may have gotten the guy they wanted all along in Derek Lively. We still need more time to evaluate Mr. Lively. Um, but they, you know, case I did. We'll talk about him later. I didn't. I'm not like oh, Case and Wallace. Like they're going to be haunted for moving off of that pick. And then Dallas also, in part, used the trade exception generated in the Bretons trade to acquire the 24th pick, and they took O Max Prosper, who I thought looked pretty good in summer league. So through all of that, they they gained a lot of value for basically no asset costs, which is a very good piece of business overall. Yeah, that is pretty solid. And Holmes also, I think there's a feeling there at least that they can rehabilitate him. I mean, his last two years have kind of been lost. He started last year in the rotation and quickly fell out. And the year before that, was going through all sorts of personal issues. And so he is a little bit older now, but if you could get back to where he was two years ago, that actually, he's worth that contract. We actually liked that contract when it was signed. And it's uh, he really hasn't produced since then. And he's... Uh, in a lot of ways, exactly what they need. Uh, acquiring Grant Williams, again, I mean, this these are, when you consider the level of players that change teams, getting Grant Williams was pretty good. They were hoping to get Bruce Braun. He, there was just no way they realistically could have done it from a cost perspective. They got Kyrie to come back at a low enough number that they could sign Grant Williams, sign Seth Curry, uh, bring back Dwight Powell, bring in Dante Exum, who might be a, an interesting uh, potential addition for them. So yeah, they did a lot of stuff, all of them in isolation looks pretty good especially when we look at what they had available and it was uh, pretty minimal uh, i would say to 
to start with and is particularly making that move to uh, save a little money with the Breton steal and get a, another draft pick in. So ultimately, though, I mean, maybe where the criticism comes in, is that I, and this will be a subject of much further discussion, of course, is, you know, are they really that much better right now? Not only are they really that much better, but like, does this team make that much sense? I mean, one of the weirdest parts about the current iteration of the Mavericks is that you know, we, we, you think compare them, not that you could only succeed one way, but you compare them to a couple of years ago where they had this like versatile switching system with a lot of force spacing. And now this iteration of the Dallas Mavericks has, is it four centers that don't space the four that all do very similar things out there? And maybe JaVale McGee gets stretched, but like you're presumably giving almost all of your minutes there. Maybe Kleba or Grant Williams can play well enough that you can get them in there. The Mavericks have very few true wings. Like, they're probably going to be relying on Josh Green starting at the three. And I think of him more as a two, personally. And the other weird one, um, especially considering he had an, I'd call it an uneven summer league front as a creator. But there are only three players on the Mavericks that I really trust to, to like, to run pick and roll and to really initiate. Now, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving are two of the best in the league, but what happens when one of those guys gets hurt? What happens when one of those guys gets in foul trouble? It's a it's a team that is loaded in a bizarre way that I think is going to materially affect their outcomes. Yeah, and they're missing, as you noted, some of those 3 and D type of players that can really make this team sing. They're missing, at least as of now, a true defensive difference maker at the five who could make up for some of the issues that a team with Kyrie and Luka are going to have defensively. And we'll see whether Josh Green can shoot the ball well enough. I mean, do having a center out there who can roll to the basket and finish, like that's pretty good. And they, But they have sort of, you know, a few semi-outs there, but no one that you really love starting at center right now even after all these machinations they didn't of course make a trade right like they have their 26 first uh, that they could play with and they still have tim hardaway jr as some matching salary that they could send out potentially and to help bring in one more guy boyan bogdanovich maybe is one of those guys but their uh detroit has maintained what seems like a too high asking price uh, on him so uh, i think you just you say that they did about as well as they could have. My only criticism would be that they, you know, maybe they should have tried harder to get, you know, a Clint Capella. But, you know, should they have traded? I mean, Atlanta's also trying to get off money in a deal like that, right? So, you know, I'm not sure how they, you know, should they have tried to trade for Clint Capella and do that with the salary dump uh, of Reggie Bullock to... Or, or Bertans. Spurs they could instead? have theoretically done that instead of Holmes, but then you lose the 24th pick. Yeah, well, and Atlanta wouldn't have wanted Bertans back, right? No, no, what I'm saying is you you fold that, you make that a three-teamer. Bertans goes to OKC, you use that salary, because the salary matching rules are very flexible right now. Um, They could have theoretically done that. So, so, but I... I mean, that to me wouldn't, like, I don't think Capella at this point in his career is that much of a difference maker. And so they go into to this season, they still have some holes. They have more talent. They acquired some assets. They should be better than they were last year. They should be right up there at the top of the league in offense. And yeah, so I thought this was a good offseason. I liked most of their moves. But I, I, perhaps what it really throws into starker relief is how much 
their roster has been denuded over the past, you know, really starting with Jalen Bronson and then the trade for Kyrie. It also, um, I I wish they could have kept Reggie Block in the Grant Williams deal that, that, you know, if they had theoretically had the full trade exception, but as we mentioned, they got the, they got the 24 and Holmes out of that deal. So, you know, it was an understandable cost. And speaking of cost, the other thing that I've been thinking about a little bit with the maps, and this only affected my grade slightly, is that this is looking like it's going to be their, you know, their team move forward. They still have that pick that they can make a trade. But like Dallas, depending on what Josh Green gets in restricted free agency or an extension, they're probably going to be a tax team in 24-25. And then 25-26, maybe they can get out clear. Uh, that's entirely possible at that point because Hardaway Jr. expires, Holmes expires, JaVale McGee expires if they don't stretch him, which they might do. Um so the idea that, well, there there aren't many other avenues, like they might not have the, I don't think they'd have the non-taxpayer next year even, they could have the taxpayer. And so the idea that, okay, well, at least for now, this is what they have. So I ended up giving them still a relatively strong B+, even though I don't necessarily agree with all of the features of it. And the biggest reason why is the counterfactual, because the players that I think would have made a big difference for the Mavericks, the kind of player, the, those three and D players weren't really available and it's not even like oh they were available and out of their price range they just weren't like that wasn't a thing that happened and they weren't really i mean bruce braun would have been the best and and he signed for way more money exactly and so i mean i don't consider dylan dylan brooks a three and d guy because of the three part of it and also he went for way more money as well and you know all the all the higher price for agents and then the you know the, like the non-taxpayer level or like vicinity guys like those didn't work out super well either yeah and they tried to get matisse thibel as well that didn't work out i mean that seemed relatively performative in the end in terms of whether you know hoping that portland would actually not match that but uh, they did so you know I, I think that could have been another like interesting guy uh, for them to get someone who can make plays they just don't have anyone on on this defense even with grant williams who's solid they don't have anyone who makes plays uh, at all and maybe that'll be Derek Lively in time, uh, but I think you know Lively and Prosper. Maybe the one thing you can say is uh, the biggest variable in this grade going forward is the draft, and we just don't know enough. I didn't, uh, you know, I thought Prosper showed some things. I thought Lively had somewhat of a disappointing summer league, but way too early to tell uh, on him. And you could still say, okay, you know, they're really they got a couple more years here with Luca, and maybe at least if those guys just so show some promise, even if they're not guys who are pushing them to like playoff series victories this first year that that at least makes Luca feel better about sticking around I mean you still have to feel like their odds of retaining him if winning were the sole criterion for him are relatively low but you never know in these circumstances and he might even want to just get paid that super max first and then figure it out afterwards so they did everything that they could here uh, I guess just the inability to make a trade that actually made them much better on the floor this year, right? I mean, like, I guess maybe that's the other thing you could say. It's just like, hey, but they couldn't have traded. And again, I don't know what deal would have been out there. We tried to, you remember when we did their offseason <laughs> outlook and we tried to go through, like, literally every guy they could have traded for, and there weren't really that many that seemed that sexy, and some of those guys might not even have been available, and we just, like, there's, it's very rare that a guy in that range is going to get traded for a player. You know, I mean, I did, one that came about that I didn't mention was, I think, like, the number eight pick got traded for Jason Richardson. It was Brandon right i think in 2007 but 
Yeah, that was just not, uh, that deal didn't appear to be out there. I'm sure they would have been very willing to do it. I don't think that they're like, oh man, like we got to really build with this 19-year-old rookie. So I think they did okay there, but they also, ultimately, they were desperate to improve this year. They had some assets. They could have combined the 26 first. They could have combined with the number 10 pick. And they did some things that I liked, but they're not that much better. I mean, they really only added Grant Williams among guys that you would say could possibly be in their closing five this season. Maybe Holmes if you're optimistic about what he can do yeah which i mean that's that that's i think it's a decent as, as like terrible salary dump guys go he has more hope than some but it, i'm not counting on that as i'm sure you're not as well correct so yeah it, i think given all of that yeah i'm torn between a b plus and a b i guess I, i'll stick with the b plus i think that's that's about right Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Every sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium 
slub crew tee, the no BS high rise pant, the slim roughneck pant featured in Giant Magazine issue two. Every American giant piece is made in America and designed to last, no exceptions, and it provides year round comfort. So find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at American Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use that finger code CAPSPACE at checkout. You remember we talk about CAPSPACE all the time here on the program. That's 20% off your first order at American Giant.com. Don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us. We could transition to the reigning defending champion Denver Nuggets, who faced a real crunch at the start of the offseason because they only had non-bird rights on Bruce Brown, and it looked like Brown was going to get a lot of interest. He did. And so Brown is, is, is gone. He signed that big contract with the Pacers that we broke down in the East grades. I don't blame the Nuggets at all for Bruce Brown walking. They presumably offered what they could. He took significantly more money. You thank him for his contributions, and you let him go, and maybe at some point he'll come back. So that part of it for me, you know, that doesn't really affect their grade at all. What does is how they how they used the tools they had with the knowledge that Bruce Brown was not going to be there anymore. And maybe this was pre-negotiated. I don't care if it was. That's not something that I factor into grades here. But losing Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, which we'll of course discuss, but using the only tool you really have over the minimum is the taxpayer mid-level. Using that on Reggie Jackson, a guy who was on your team the year before and did not really make it into the playoff rotation. Not only that, but giving him a player option in the second year. It was a very poor move. Yeah, you, you got to say uh, that that's the case uh, because he wasn't able to be in their rotation. Now, would they have been able to use that on like an Eric Gordon when the minimum is basically for these guys who are big vets or is, you know, 3.1 million and they don't quite have as much playing time to offer as a Phoenix did. And they're just even after winning the championship, probably not considered the same level of destination. You don't have Nikola Jokic is not going to recruit the way a Devin Booker or a KD might recruit. But yeah, certainly to give out like an obviously bad contract for someone that more likely than not is not going to help you in next year's playoffs because he didn't in this year's playoffs and he's going to be a year older. Yeah, that, that's poor. And yeah, I'm sure there's a, a component of getting him on the buyout market that he was going to get paid this year. But uh, I mean, the contract is the contract. So uh, that's part of this. Then, you know, letting Jeff Green go when we found out what he eventually got from the Rockets, I think that's understandable. I mean, it they is. could have matched him, but but I well, think or it's they, but or where they, they are in the tax. Yeah. A small note, they could have offered him enough maybe in the pre- free agency process that he like if they had offered him you know like maybe five four or five billion then maybe he would have just gone like okay i'm not going to spend that much time looking but the rockets you know the rockets were able to make that work with their unusual situation yeah and you would imagine the rockets always had their room exception available and then he ended up actually getting even a little bit more than that in the end once lopez fell through so yeah i i think you know i would have liked to have retained jeff green i could definitely i think it hurts to lose him but I think he was more, he wasn't doing anything that special. It was just a, a low level of competence in your rotation. And he could have been, gotten too old to be effective, but he would, at least wasn't going to like get attacked out there. But, you know, I think between Zeke Naji and Vlako Chanchar, they could probably replace that production somewhat. The other thing, though, I would really criticize was just their total failure to get any kind of backup center, particularly when they could have offered a pretty big role. And again, they're, they're kind of really relying on. Najee, you know, DeAndre Jordan is not good enough 
to play for them um you know i do think again like some of some of these other positions like peyton watson's another guy who might be able to step in in, in that jeff green role and you know christian braun can uh, maybe do some of what bruce braun did but to really have nothing at backup center and yeah hey you know what they played aaron gordon basically at center in the playoffs fine but this is many years in a row that having nothing at backup center has just absolutely killed them and so i would have liked to see them go that route than maybe like a justin holiday and i think you know someone to offer that role as a primary backup center you would think that they could have gotten at least somebody although you know and and, and you, like you you're, you're that is you're looking for an innings eater there you're not necessarily looking yeah. for somebody who's going to be in the playoff rotation you could say oh well they could still sign that guy potentially but the nuggets are at 15 fully guaranteed contracts right now so the expectation and they've also used all of their two ways so the expectation is that they're not going to add anyone else unless they can you know find a home yeah. but they, they don't really have that many movable guys the other but, right, right so so like you know would they alex len mo bamba omer yurtsevin although he, he got paid a little bit above the minimum you know could those guys just to to have you know bismack biampu actually think it's still unsigned he is uh, obviously i don't think they should have returned uh, you know brought back thomas bryant but i, I think that would have been offering just a one plus one at the minimum for someone like that just to have someone established there at center i mean and like i understand be like hey you know what zeke Naji's gonna be better than these guys well zeke Naji has to actually be healthy <laughs> so he just does not be able to get his career going so i would have liked to have had one more out there so the other uh, the what other about big, the draft all that shit yeah. yes exactly that's where i was gonna go so that's another kind of factor in all of this is that over the course of two trades calvin booth moved a top five protected pick for the nuggets in 2029 for a you know a relatively decent i actually thought it was kind of a juicier pick than some did um 2024 first plus 37 this year plus uh, a t- second and 24 they then turned around and moved basically the first the 2024 first round pick of that to the indiana pacers before the pacers post bruce brown for along with number 40 which they had previously had for 29 and 32 so they came in with just um number 40 and they came out in that first round top five first round pick then they traded they came out with 29 32 and 37 drafting julian strother jalen pickett and hunter tyson yeah and i thought all three of those guys showed something in summer league and may be able to contribute relatively soon that clearly was the approach is trying to find guys who can contribute now and that's why they prioritized getting these picks this year they traded a 2029 first to get more guys in this year they're going to need cheap contributors over the course of those rookie contracts in the next three or four years now could this be a case of being a little high on your own supply after Christian Braun, who, yeah, you know, he contributed a little bit last year and, and had some moments in the finals in particular, but also had moments when he was out of the rotation in the playoffs. And so it's his, all right, we got, and then also they got him at 21, not 29, 32, and 37. But to just say, like, I think even if you're like, hey, we really believe in these guys, we're, we're prioritizing something different than other people in the draft, so we, we can really zero in on guys who can contribute immediately. I mean, the find someone who can contribute immediately might be a little bit of fool's goal. I mean, they really like what they got from Peyton Watson last year. So, okay, I, I get it. Like, they, they you want to you're a draft and develop team you want to believe in that but i do think it's maybe to be like hey we're rather than using this pick to like trade for a player who actually is more established this 2029 pick to 
bring in more guys who are just you know younger but supposedly more veteran guys in the draft like we'll see how that works out like well, and it's just too early to say but statistically guys drafted at 29 32 and 37 are not going to be contributing anytime soon very likely on your championship level of team there's one other factor to consider there which is you could also have used instead of using a full guaranteed roster spot on this player by like you know trading for the pick and intending to do this to get somebody on the veterans minimum who is going to help you more and i talked about how they don't have these roster spots in part because they have five players taken in the last two drafts that have fully guaranteed roster spots and christian brown is the only one of those who helped them last year they now have three new guys and watson who can help them this year we'll see how that works out that that also saves them money but it is a a significant consideration as well and i liked as you did i liked all of their guys in summer league and and we'll have a lot more time to evaluate them over the course of this next year for regrades and everything else but for me the idea that the champion team lost a key player a closer even if the even if it was I, I don't blame them at all for that loss lost that player lost another value bench player and functionally replaced them with rolls of the dice from late firsts and early seconds and Richard Jackson a guy who didn't even play in their playoff rotation like that's that's disappointing even if it's not like unforgivable yeah the other thing that I see when I look at this roster is and now they're hard capped at the second apron so they can't go that much higher in terms of salary but they could have they could have elected to not give Reggie Jackson that deal and maybe they could have if they had just not given Reggie Jackson that deal then maybe they could have got close enough with Jeff Green to where he might have considered not going back for Houston again that was a it was a big offer but uh that wouldn't have hard capped them so they could have maybe gotten a little harder with the spending because I'm a little concerned that they don't like they have five guys in their starting lineup that unbelievable starting lineup and then it's basically everyone on the everyone else on the team is making five million or less and it would be nice to have the ability to come in and get one more established rotation guy with whatever assets were available and to have some matching salary there but that of course would push their salary up probably to a level that they don't want to pay so there still is a component here of cheapness even though you know they are getting further into the tax than we thought that they might when they are championship level and, and they're to be commended for that they're still not going as hard as you know you've seen maybe like the bucks do uh and denver is a larger market than the bucks although you could say it's been a little mismanaged there so i think uh you and know I, and i will note like that this if is, you yeah, exclude yeah. the repeater tax Denver's only about a million less into the tax than the bucks are right now yeah but the bucks have been way higher in, yes in, in previous years so yeah ultimately like this if these guys they drafted turn out great if peyton watson and chanchar and naji and christian braun can contribute at the level that they hope and maybe reggie jackson can give him something in the regular season okay like that this grade could change a lot as of right now though I'm going to go D plus. Yeah, I went with a D plus as well. I thought about going with a, a D, but it, it, I like preliminarily liking their draft guys is enough to make a little bit of a difference for me. The Golden State Warriors. I, I, the place to start there is they did the the biggest thing they did and they did reasonably well and that was agreeing to terms with Draymond Green. Draymond Green got more years than we expected. He got four years, a hundred million, and that last year is a player option. I thought they were going to try to tether him with Stephen Curry, who has three years remaining on his contract. Green now joined Andrew Wiggins as having an extension, but Green is of course significantly older than Wiggins. And the annual value here is within the range that I expected and 
even though I don't know what other suitors Green would have had, like I think this is a totally fine contract for him. And it starts low, which I know the Warriors like because that reduces their bill in the near term. So as that part of it goes, I, you know, it's, it's, Un, over, it's absolutely a positive. He gets a slight demerit. Maybe Mike Dunleavy could have negotiated a little bit harder, but they needed Draymond Green to be relevant, to be a championship contender, if they even are a championship contender this year. Yeah, and there was noise that other teams could be interested. Some reporting that interest from Memphis was real uh, with Draymond Green. That would have been absolutely fascinating. But this is certainly, I mean, Draymond Green was a both of our defensive player of the year last year. And yeah, he's at an age where you don't expect him to contribute at this level when he's uh, 37 i guess it would be uh and the player bonus player option the trade bonus but i think they did very well in terms of their finances this year just shaving that five million off what his player option would have been shunting more money into that fourth year to keep the yearly salary manageable for them and also that will enable them to potentially get below the second apron next year and still retain clay thompson which i I think is important then there's the chris paul move uh, acquiring him on a 30 million dollar essentially expiring contract not totally non-guaranteed and then they gave up Jordan Poole and that top 20 protected 2030 first rounder, a 2027 second rounder. Uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rollins also went to the Wizards. Uh, I think Baldwin Jr. was a separate transaction they brought back. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis in that deal as well. So I thought this was ultimately a good move for Golden State. I think you were a little lower on it, if memory serves. I was um, on the idea that Chris Paul, I don't see him as a closer potentially for this Warriors team and that they sold low on Jordan Poole. I also am more skeptical than you are, though not. I am open to the possibility that they are going to use Chris Paul similarly to D'Angelo Russell, where he is a matching salary piece rather than a mechanism to decrease their team salary for 24-25. And while that would be justifiable in the sense that they've been comically expensive for years now, it would make the team materially worse. Like if the end game here is that Chris Paul finishes the season with the Warriors and he either takes a significant discount or is just gone, which would be my expectation, well then that that means the Warriors dumped they salary dumped Jordan Poole along with a heavily protected first round pick for a guy who I actually think is a in, in a weird I mean Chris Paul obviously the way he played the first few months of the season was deeply concerning. But even the the better version of him than we saw towards the end of the year, not only with the injury history, because Jordan Poole was very healthy overall, but understanding that you have this framework of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, I think unless Poole played as disastrously as last year, I think Jordan Poole would have helped them more than Chris Paul will. So there, there are a number of components to this. Uh, you noted, so I, I think really where you have to begin is what you thought of Jordan Poole and what you think of him on this team. You said they sold low on Jordan Poole and yeah, relative to last offseason, I agree. However, one of the things that I said when they extended him was I actually kind of liked them extending him because that would make him tradable this offseason. I didn't anticipate that he would play this poorly. But I did say, hey, if he plays, I mean, even the the season before, as time went on in the playoffs, he became less and less playable and was really a 15 to 20 minute a game guy. And he just there's no way he was going to be above that on this team 
in the playoffs. Now, Chris Paul may not be that either, but to me, the risk was you keep Jordan Poole around for a trade deadline for another year. Now you got to really give up something as opposed to this kind of bullshit protected top 20 protected 2030 first rounder that if they are that good in 2030, they'll be totally happy to give up. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, and, and it's a, and it, by yeah. the way, it's a one year reversion. So if they finish in the top 20, then the Wizards get a second. Right, because it, it, it just, I know you know this, but for those who don't know, that pick is seven years out. And so you can't push it over to 2031 because you don't have the ability to do anything with the 2031 pick yet because it's eight years out. So that would have been my concern is that, yeah, maybe Poole could have bounced back in the regular season. But after the playoffs, I don't didn't think he was going to look much better. The Wizards were in rebuilding mode. And then also just the ability to acquire Chris Paul as a, someone who could help. Yes, not a perfect fit, but he can help them. I think that Chris Paul certainly looks like a better bet to help them in the playoffs this year than Jordan Poole in the form he was in last year. Actually did last year. That's fair. Yeah. And and Chris Paul is an expiring contract and he could be moved to salary ballast for basically any deal you want to do. And they still have a lot of assets uh, available that they could trade in like guys like Kaminga and Moses Moody. And they could still trade, let's see, realistically three first if they wanted to dip into the top 20 protection in 2030. So all that, uh, like they could really get in the mix for another very significant player, star level guy, if they wanted to, that maybe could crack this window open if Steph Curry still has it this year with a salary piece that another team isn't going to be like, oh, well, that you're going to have to pay us to take this guy too, which I think there is a significant chance that Jordan Poole might have had that sort of a status with more time of just coming off the bench and being pissed off. And obviously after the punch, he was, things were never the same for him there. And so you need to get out of there. And yeah, they might look bad when he plays better in Washington, but they just he was never going to play that well in Golden State, I don't think, particularly given the role limitation. So yeah, I mean, we've, been, we've talked about this a lot. This is such a fascinating transaction that we have to but uh then the other thing we got to hit on bob myers gone mike dunleavy now the gm we will never fully know whether this was money-based though i'm sure there was a number you know to quote the the, the million dollar man everyone has a price like he, he, there is a, a possibility that he could have come back and and whether myers like takes another job next year or something like that we'll have to see and it's also still going to take some time to evaluate Dunleavy, who, I mean, we can evaluate this offseason as it stands. Myers wanted the most highly regarded, but it's possible he also, I've talked about this before, that the the Warriors job isn't that fun the next couple of years. It's basically, I mean, they did retain Draymond Green, so you're going to be a good team this year if everyone stays healthy. But it's going to be more goodbyes than hellos. And that's not always the most fun. And for Dunleavy, you know, so so I don't I, I don't think you could mark this as a plus. How heavy a minus depends on how on how much you think that Bob Myers' relationships with these players and Steve Kerr really matters and what it signals potentially about either ownership, either working with them or what they're willing to spend on non-personnel, non-on-court personnel. Yeah, my feeling is that Bob kind of was burned out. I don't know how realistic it would have been to keep him. And maybe if you did just go so crazy with the money that he felt like he had no choice, you're still kind of just paying him to stick around and maybe his heart wouldn't have been in it. And I think Dunleavy has uh, acquitted himself reasonably well so far. So I I view that as kind of a neutral at this point in time. Uh, Dunleavy also took uh, Brandon Pajemski in the draft number 19. 
I like the way he plays, definitely undersized. There isn't really anyone else around that range that I loved. This was never going to be a Cam Whitmore team. I see. So I would have actually liked chance. I would have liked the Whitmore bet as the Warriors, but well, this I mean, not the type of thing didn't you like him? You, they made they basically did the same thing when they drafted Jonathan Kaminga two years ago, right? Yeah, but getting that guy at twenty versus getting that guy in in the in the lottery is different. We'll see. Yeah, and and I also I I mean I agree with you in the sense too that it's like oh the way we play it's like all right Prochemsky he's still pretty young he's not going to contribute probably this year you do uh, I think this is maybe you could say a missed opportunity to get another guy who'll be part of the group five years from now but they're not going in that direction anymore and they just decided like we got enough raw young guys that hasn't worked out in our system they're not going to play they're going to lose value they're going to sulk we need to improve our chemistry uh i also this is a minor portion of the grade but trace jackson davis uh, mike dunleavy did a good job maneuvering him down lower in the draft via the connection he had with his brother james dunleavy and but jackson davis in his limited summer league two games did look like one of the better second rounders uh, and i think he does in theory have like a little bit of a role to play if he can hook up with Chris Paul on that second unit. Uh, two other significant things to mention. One is the departure of Dante DiVincenzo, very similar to Bruce Brown in the sense that he got a significantly more lucrative deal than the Warriors could have offered, and they'll miss him, but he's gone. And then the signing at the minimum of Dario Scharch, who I think could be a very valuable member of the Warriors, a capable frontcourt piece, a you know who incidentally years ago played a, a valuable role as the center, backup center on the Phoenix Suns alongside Chris Paul. And he may end up more as a four than a five with the Warriors, depending on how they want to structure this rotation. But Sharich, I would say off the cuff, he's one of the better minimum signings in in this offseason. Yeah, non-Phoenix division, maybe. E- even, even Phoenix division. I'm not saying well, he's I- the best. I'm saying he's one of. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think maybe he's got a chance, as some of these guys have. And, you know, he's had some issues with his body. The Warriors uh, have done well re- uh, helping some of those guys uh, with Rick Celebrini, who's, man, that guy's turned around his his, uh, sure. his reputation since, uh, since 2019. But, yeah, and charged two years now off the torn ACL 29. So, you know, he might be a, turn into an okay backup front court guy. I like this offseason overall. It, they didn't make a trade for anything amazing, but they still have the ability to do that i thought uh uh, my eyes are really going to enjoy it because i don't have to watch jordan Poole anymore and and watch him fall down and turn it over and get called for carrying violations so i think uh yeah i would go yeah this feels like a b plus to me I went with the straight B, and the difference between us is our evaluation of the pool pool pulse rate. But overall, they did a good job, and I think it's hard to put them in the A range when you consider they didn't fundamentally like change their fortunes too much this year. Though there's an argument to be made for regrades that Paul opens the door for that more fully than Jordan Poole would have, and we'll have to see there. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling, the collide of football pads, the squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. 
all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace using our capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us the Houston Rockets. Oh boy. Uh, they had a banger of an offseason. I actually still think, despite everything they did with the cap space, the most important thing they did was selecting a Men Thompson at number four. And they didn't fuck around uh, with anyone else. They didn't, I mean, they looked at other players, but I thought there was a steep drop off after uh, a Men and uh, certainly his limited time in Summer League before the grade two ankle sprain was pretty good. And then getting Whitmore at 20, who knows how he's going to be. They still have a lot of mouths to feed in terms of playing time and resources uh, in that front court before they even signed uh, all these guys that they did and some of the moves that they made they sold low on a lot of guys that I thought still have a chance here Tai Tai Washington Uzman Garuba Josh Christopher all these future second rounders to make this Dylan Brooks deal happen that would have looked a lot better if they could have used it to boost their cap space and also acquire Brooke Lopez that unfortunately fell through but whether he reneged whenever whatever it was uh they didn't get him and they thought they had him and that's a screw up uh kj martin to the clippers for two future seconds uh, again they they kind of prioritize it seems like jay sean tate over him they still got tara eason they've got you know jabari smith jr is gonna be in a larger role now so that, again like it's it seems like maybe they could have done a little bit better in terms of like the resource management here but i'm also i don't think that the loss of any of these guys is going to kill them either so and these are guys whose values only would have declined further this year or might have even needed to be cut given the nature of their roster and then of course we get to their free agent signings we do and the way i want i i was thinking about framing the rock i know but they'll do it your way first they'll save save mine for the end um fred van vliet is the centerpiece here and i was completely fine with this being a three-year max contract so 129 million is is what was allowable there for fred van vliet five percent raises because he's a new signing and van vliet I brought this up a little bit in the Raptor section, and it's so funny. Somebody brought up like, oh, will you, you, do you have them in the mock-off season? Yeah, and I regretted it when we were talking about it afterwards that I didn't offer Fred Van Fleet more. I thought I made a mistake in the same way that the Raptors ended up doing it. I think that he will not only help the Rockets a lot right now, give them organization, help give them a defensive identity, veteran leadership, but Van Fleet, even at a high price— given his skill set, given his reputation around the league, if they want to go in this other direction at some point, he is a player that will generate interest around the league. And maybe the price tag is a little bit steep, but we're talking about more like if it ends up being underwater, it's a little underwater. And then as importantly as that concept, it's a team option on the third year. And that makes this a wonderful addition from the Rockets perspective, because it doesn't mess with their salary structure. It 
adds a very good player and it mitigates a ton of risk from their perspective. Well, and particularly because they'll be able to go right back out and have a max cap space in the summer of 2025 if they decline that team option. Or they could even bring back Van Vliet on a lower, longer term deal and still have a lot of salary cap flexibility. And that's really exciting to be able to bring him in during this weird period where their picks are owed to the Thunder for the next three years, basically top four protected. I think I forget there might be something else weird on the swap next year but they don't have full control of their draft pick for three years now and so they had to get better Uh, so the the van vliet deal i think is an absolute coup particularly because as we talked about he's the sort of player who just makes everyone around him better in both as a passer as a defender as a communicator as a leader and also can shoot well enough when he's off the ball he's gonna just help everything function so much more smoothly dylan brooks on the other hand before i even get to him which I didn't care for, particularly on this team. I think we got to go to Ime Yudoka. Yes. Big time upgrade with Yudoka, given his track record of only one year, admittedly, with Boston. And while I think there are, of course, concerns with how it was that he ended up having to be suspended and, and ultimately left Boston, I also don't think necessarily that there's any evidence that those issues will recur here. So that that is not a huge part of the grade for me, obviously, it worked many other places without these issues and we still don't know full details of that and probably never will but i don't think that that in terms of like what how he's going to help them on the floor that doesn't factor into my grade too much uh how he left boston obviously he was very much in demand but and so he's a huge upgrade on steven silas and in terms of defense holding guys accountable all that will set a completely different tone and just have more gravitas it seems like he's got uh, a fair amount of personnel power I thought he used it well to move them away from taking James Harden, but he apparently wanted Dylan Brooks to help the culture. And you know, we'll see whether that works or not, but especially seeing like how good a men looked and Jabari Smith Jr. and Tari Eason, like, yeah, all right, it's you're just, the mandate is to get better. They had this cap space burning a hole in their pocket. I get all that, but like, this is not a good contract to me for Dylan Brooks. And again, you might say, who else should they have used it on? Well, maybe Dylan Brooks for 60 million a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Who, I don't know who is offering Brooks significantly more, if more at all, than the non-taxpayer mid level, which was lucrative now, but not nearly this lucrative of four years. 88 million is the kind of the middle range of it, depending on the incentives. And Brooks has clear benefits. We've talked about how his defensive reputation is a little bit underappreciated at times, but he had all the incentives in the world to become to embrace his limitations a little bit more offensively with the Grizzlies the last couple of years, with some exceptions like when John Moran got hurt. And he just never could do it. And that's a part of why it appears the Memphis Grizzlies just need the under any circumstances thing that they did not want him back. And when a very good team, you know, an aspirational title contender doesn't want to start her back under any circumstances and can't functionally replace him very well. I mean, they ended up, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, that should be a signal. You know, the the idea of like, we, we that there's something there. And it, and it seems like it was more on court than off court with Brooks. So yeah, I really didn't like that part of their offseason to be abundantly clear. And then the pivot of sorts. Well, can, I, can I say one more thing on, on Brooks too? That this is one of the, like our big concern, I would say was, yeah, okay. I know they have this top four protected pick out there. I know 
Tobin Fertitta was promised a three-year rebuild and they're going to get better. But I really, like, what really matters for the Houston Rockets is how well these young guys turn out. At, at, there's no one they were ever going to add in free agency this year that is really going to matter for the Houston Rockets becoming a true championship contender again in three to six years or whatever it is. But Fred VanVleet helps all those guys develop. I feel like Dylan Brooks, I mean, Yudoka disagrees with me, right? He thinks that he's going to help them with their defensive culture and how he works and just the overall competitiveness. And he may be correct, but I think particularly given the strengths and weaknesses of some of these young guys and what Brooks with his shoot first and not make them philosophy offensively can do to you and just his complete lack of spacing that he provides. That to me, like this is a signing. And then also the fact that it's four years too and well, it hurts your yeah. potential cap space in 25. That, that's what I was going to say is that the other yeah. irritation for me is, okay, you bumped up the annual value. You bump up the annual value, then you decrease the year obligation. So like, if this was a deal that at 20 million, 20 plus million a year, that was the same structure as Van Vliet's, I would mostly be okay yeah, with great, it. Great, great. Yeah. I, I, well, I would say great, but it's because I still think that he, you know, is going to stunt their development. Like, the, to me, the signing of Dylan Brooks to this contract reduces the chance that the Houston Rockets will contend in, in the know, years that matter. X number of years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And there, the contract will look better, presumably, based on, you know, the cap going up and everything over the years. But the Rockets, just like most teams, don't have that much latitude to just take on a player who potentially could be that negative value, especially somebody who doesn't give you something that you fundamentally like were, were so shorthanded on. I'm not the biggest Jay Sean Tate fan, but like they still have a lot of mouths to feed and like where a man fits into the rotation defensively. Like you could put him point of attack, but you could also put him defending more wing guys like Asar did in Summer League. And it also, you added Van Vliet, so you have Van Vliet, Green, and Thompson kind of as your starting one through three, ideally, and then you have these guys like Jabari Smith. It's like, you didn't need Brooks in the way that you might have if the draft had gone differently, if some of the other things had gone, if they hadn't gotten Fred Van Vliet. And that bizarreness of it kind of felt like Stone had one theory of the offseason, and then one part of it fell, fell through, and they got the big things spectacularly right. Better than argue, maybe any team in the NBA this year, but this does mean put a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth yeah and then jeff green it's kind of like, like all right he's going to take away minutes from shangun and jabari smith a little bit and, and jock landale as well like i mean now he at least i think one thing that's probably important to ime udoka is to be able to say for the first time to a shangun or a jabari smith jr or maybe even the jalen green kevin porter jr to be able to say to those guys okay, we're, we have actual real players that if you're not executing, at least temporarily, to close a game or something, we're going to see. But I also, like, Jeff Green, Jack Landale, is not really guys that make a lot of sense to me. And, and, the and roster. I, Maybe they're trade candidates, but whatever. And as was the case with Mo Wagner and Joe Ingles in Orlando, the structure of these contracts, I think it's unlikely that stone or whoever is running the rockets at that point will sit there in 24 or 25 in landell's case and 26 he has three non-guaranteed seasons and say oh yeah we really want to pay a backup setter eight million now maybe landale ends up closing some games but i think shangun and ayton are fundamentally different players the suns and the rockets are fundamentally different teams so you didn't get as much surplus value there. This isn't one of those, you know, you get a, a you get a team option or you get a non-guarantee and then maybe you end up picking it up and you're happy with it. Like I think you're they're probably going to let both those guys go. So then you really gave a you overpaid. You gave a lot of money for this year for some for a benefit 
that is pretty ephemeral. And that's okay. It's not it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not the worst thing they did in any way, shape, or form. But so I ended up giving them an A minus. One other just weird note, like I said they nailed the draft without having to make any trades in my little write-up. I would have loved Scoot Henderson here. I don't think there was a way for it to happen. But just as a note, like, hey, if they, there was any chance that they could have done it. But this is this is an A minus and it was so close to being a straight A. How much credit do you give them for drafting a man at four? Some for sure, not a ton, because you and I saw a pretty clear drop off after this point, and they were yeah. definitely But it, it wasn't I mean, they might have just been like messing around but it, it this wasn't one where i think everyone thought it was so obvious possible and they ended up getting one of the players they reportedly considered at 20 anyway so like they, yeah. they did that but like i mean i saw a men over a sar as a reasonable as like a a clear choice in terms of tiers but i also had a sar as the fifth best player in the draft in you know if it had been in a different kind of ordering so i give them some credit um and this this will come up in portland like it wasn't but it wasn't to be like the only pick like this wasn't the spurs getting number one and taking one banyama i'll go b plus for these guys uh you know i like the udoka hire the brooks thing green landale selling low on some of the other guys that i thought had some value didn't love but then also like they did fuck up the lopez thing and that made this all cohere a little bit less than it could have and you know again all right maybe that's brooke lopez's fault but you relied on it and it didn't work so that's on you ultimately in the end and yeah you can say there's not much recourse when all this stuff is getting quote-unquote done ahead of time so yeah i'll go with a b plus for these guys who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie famous amos has been making them since the 70s 1975 to be exact with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Who is up next? The LA Clippers, who had a comparatively quiet offseason. In what many ways, one of the biggest moves in terms of signal that they did was not fully guaranteeing that big payment for Eric Gordon. Instead, they had to waive him. It wasn't a team option. It was a non-guarantee. And he did not re-sign with them for the minimum. He instead went to the Phoenix Suns for the minimum, which I'm sure has to sting the Clippers. And so that meant they kind of lowered their salary basis, made this team significantly cheaper. But within that framework, I thought they did well. They kept the 30 pick and drafted Kobe Brown. And then they kept the 48 pick and drafted Jordan Miller. They acquired KJ Martin, who we just talked about from the Rockets at the low cost of two future second round picks. And then they ended up retaining two guys that they brought in during the 22-23 season. Russell Westbrook, two years non-bird second year player option. So that's two years, a little less than 8 million. And then good old friend Mason Plumlee, one year, 5 million. Yeah, the draft, I don't, that's really neutral for me at at this point in time. Uh, The KJ Martin move for two future seconds, definitely 
someone who I think can help them. But it is kind of funny for a team that only two years ago was like, oh man, five out, like everyone on this team can shoot. How are we ever going to stop these guys? That they now, shooting is a major weakness on this team. They got rid of probably their best off-ball shooter in Eric Gordon, at least outside of the two stars. And you just, you never like it when your two stars are your two best shooters, which is kind of the situation that they're in mm-hmm. right now. You know, they traded away Kennard. They didn't bring back Eric Gordon. They That was for money reasons. Uh, it was. I mean, maybe there's a feeling like, oh, they're trying to prepare to like get James Harden and sign trade or something, get under the first apron. That seemed, uh, if that is what they were doing, uh, they certainly fucked that up. So there's, it is surprising that they moved on uh, from Eric Gordon and maybe they felt like they could get him back for the minimum, but that uh, was not the case. They, of course, didn't have the tax mid-level to give him either. Perhaps when they traded for him, they felt like they were going to waive him and give him the tax mid-level. But of course, then that was no longer available to them. Uh, you know, to they have a, a number of picks that they could be trading at this point in time. And plenty of matching salary. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, plenty of matching salary. Now, of course, there's the the possibility of this Harden thing. That could change a lot. Another big thing that could change is possible extensions for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. What is the nature of those going to be? Although, at least it seems like they're not just backing up the money truck uh, for them and giving them whatever they want. I actually bumped up their grade because those extensions have not been agreed to. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Although, we'll see where it ends up. So basically, they the only thing they really did, I mean, and they got back Westbrook, who helped them, and Plumlee, who helped them. But they're also both guys who can't shoot, and and this is uh, that's going to be a problem for them offensively. Because I mean, they, you still, in theory, have to be building this team as though Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can be healthy. And this is both the last year you have them under contract, and maybe the last year that if they are healthy, they can be the core of a championship group. And so you might say, hey, they haven't acted like that yet, but maybe this this Harden thing is out there, and. So they do have other moves uh, that they can make and getting KJ Martin is good. So, I mean, it's basically just they let Eric Gordon go and they got KJ Martin. That's kind of where we end up here as whether they did anything. True. And it's always hard to evaluate an offseason for a team that has high aspirations, but didn't really do a lot. And because sometimes you end up tethering a little bit on your priors. And I... (sighs) Especially because the Clippers, like they, they've they've added all this money and talent in, in pri- pre- previous years, and and a lot of it hasn't worked out. You know, Covington and Morris in particular. You know, they haven't been the players that we hoped they would be. And now, you know, Terrence Mann is making more. These are the years they kick in. He had the kind of the delayed contract, like Daniel Gafford did. So I'm I'm okay with them. I I'm okay with them on the money basis, letting Eric Gordon go. Though I agree with your criticism about Kennard and the kind of ripple effect of the reduced shooting. And I think that's a very, a very clear concern here. I ended up going with a C plus, though I honestly think the grade here is kind of like we, we of course that's the focus of this, but it's just like, eh, you know, that that's that if I could have put eh as a grade, that's probably what I would put for right now. And that will obviously change if they end up making a James Harden move, that will obviously change. And remember the extension the agree, the decision as of now not to extend George and Leonard, that that will factor in one way or the other. We'll see what happens as a resolution with both those individuals in the 2024 offseason. Yeah, I I thought to myself at first, like, okay, KJ Martin, getting KJ Martin is good, but I don't think he's going to contribute as much to them as Eric Gordon would have. And, you know, they, they let Eric Gordon go due to money. But, you know, we're talking about like $100 million 
in cash probably and for 29 owners in the league cutting eric gordon would be a no-brainer now you could say hey maybe if our plan wasn't to keep him we shouldn't have traded for him and ended up going down from 20 to 30 and that was the difference between cam whitmore and kobe brown but uh, again we play it as it lies here in the summer and so to for me to be like oh i'm disappointed they cut this guy making 20 million dollars given their tax situation now i mean you could have said they would have been better off let's say they just paid somebody to take marcus morris somehow or even stretched him and then they could have afforded to bring back gordon because eric gordon was probably what their fourth or fifth best player that they just they could have retained him and they lost so that's disappointing in some ways but just to say like if you're just 100 million dollars in cash keeping eric gordon 29 owners in the league that's a no-brainer they just do it and just because balmer has spent money out of a relative fire hose in the past they've done a few things where they've cut money like a Serge Ibaka deal but that to be like holding him to a different standard just because of like the amount of money that he spent previously that's not really fair to just like kill them for letting Eric Gordon go and so that to me is kind of a neutral move given what the economics were and if we're being realistic about those and then yeah the Martin move was good so C plus but incomplete you know with the Harden and the uh, Kawhi and George extension still looming there for now stadium companions the los angeles lakers had a much more eventful offseason comparatively and they kind of set the table for parts of this with their deadline moves trading the aforementioned russell westbrook and the lakers had a lot to do and ended up resolving it in a kind of fascinating way where they do you mind if i i interrupt here to frame this a, a little differently of course. What could they, let's leave out the draft, but what could they have done here realistically that they did not do? Is there anything that you were like hoping would happen that just they, they weren't able to get done? I I still think as much as I don't love him and said I would be out of the Kyrie Irving business, that a single huge player, you know, a if you could have convinced him, and I'm not sure they could have, Kyrie Irving got meaningfully more from the Mavericks than he could have gotten from the Lakers. That a player like that and then filling out the roster with like minimums in the room exception which is surprisingly potent now that that would have yielded a better outcome for lebron james prime than this but outside of that that was a extremely narrow swath of players that may have just been one player unless fred van vliet was willing to do it which i mean he got a shit ton more from the rockets um that though that narrow group of like two or three guys that accepted i thought they did very well yeah maybe you could say they could have got Rui for a little bit worse but they avoided overpaying d'angelo russell gabe vincent was someone that has started basically for the last two years in the playoffs on a a high level of team and you know they got him basically for third guard money maybe even slightly less than that at this point in time i think he's to me is an upgrade on dennis schroeder who they you know i guess they could have given dennis schroeder the non-taxpayer but i i like vincent better because of his shooting ability and he'll at least take shots i think they're pretty similar defensively you know torian prince uh, just as a a body on the wing for four million Uh, the bae is pretty good they stayed well below the apron so they still have some uh, flexibility there and then they played it perfectly with austin reeves even though the system did help them to stave off an offer sheet there so he's now 
now on one of the best contracts in the league going forward even if you could say it was a little bit of an own goal to not have him on a a three-year deal though the fact that he had started off uh undrafted and and you know they didn't really bring him to i think they converted him off a two-way like early in the season or something so they didn't have a way to give him a three-year deal and yeah avoiding overpaying on russell is good jackson hayes on a one plus one at the minimum is fine uh at least they didn't go crazy with this idea of like oh we need more centers next to ad they didn't throw anything that mattered resource wise at it so see i i just i disagree with you a little bit there but the difference between like my criticism and what other people would say is it's like yeah could they have gotten more the equivalent of like a taxpayer mid-level level of center you know like the mason plumley-esque type of guy who could play some minutes there but not close yeah, yeah. i mean well but then they would be tempted to, to play ad at the four more which he can't do anymore right so it's I, I wish they had a center like it's one of my small demerits from them is that eight you know even if it was a you know bismack biombo i was gonna say alex len but maybe not Alex Lynn specifically. I mean, and Landale went way over their price range because of what the Rockets did for whatever reason. Um, like that sort of guy, like a, min- a a good minimum guy, I think would have been useful for them. And maybe that that could still happen. That could, of course, also, I, it could happen on the buyout market. But the problem is like, I think you want that guy during the season as well, just to, you know, take some, take some miles off, take some miles off of AD. And also for the times that AD is hurt because you need that defensive identity. And they like, I think that's going to be an underrated problem for the Lakers this year defensively Mm -hmm. is that when Davis is unavailable and there will be times when Anthony Davis is not, not available to play for the Lakers this year. So that's one small demerit, like small demerit. The other one is I'm not a fan of Jalen Hood Shafino. Wasn't when we did a little bit of, you know, we never recorded it, but we did pre-draft. Yeah, down the, the film was bad enough. I was like, I'm not spending any more time on this. <laughs> yeah, and I had I had watched a fair amount before before you made that decision. And I'm just like, oh, like, I don't. Yeah, sorry like, about I, that. No, 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 that's fine. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry, I, I don't sorry, love, I don't love dwelling. Time. I don't love, no, I, I did that without knowing who you wanted to scout. Like I did that, you know, because I, I had, I had time kind of around the, the when I had time around that window. So I just started watching guys and I was like, oh, I don't like this film at all. And, um, and so with, and Summer League didn't significantly change my evaluation there. And Hood Shafino, you know, it's the 17th pick in the draft. You're not going to expect a game breaker. There aren't usually Giannis's and Giannis, of course, one 15, not seven. 17. But there are players that I like better there. And so, you know, it's not, I'm not going to go from like an, an A to a D because they drafted Huchifino, but I am going to downgrade them because of it. Yeah. And one thing you might say is they had the 17th pick. They could have packaged that with their 2029 first and Bamba or Malik Beasley to maybe bring back a, another significant player. But we there are a lot of teams trying to package similar level of picks to get a starter level of player. So I, I can't kill them for that deal there was to me not an obvious one out there i mean we didn't really see hardly any starters that i recall get i don't maybe none this offseason get traded for even a first round pick uh, i think the the biggest pick for player thing was the kings getting off of holmes by giving up their first round pick but that was not acquiring a, a player i mean so yeah the, mark marcus smart from the grizzlies perspective was probably the closest but that was multiple picks uh yeah okay that's fair yeah th- that would be the the one and i don't and now that, that actually would be kind of fascinating of like could the Lakers have gotten Marcus Smart but then the, there wasn't anything that they could have sent back to the Wizards in that deal, uh, whereas the Wizards got Tyus Jones in, in that. So I don't I don't know that that would have been available to them. Yeah, so even with the D'Angelo, D'Angelo the draft, Russell yeah. sided trade again. 
Yeah. Well, also, actually, we didn't mention this, getting D'Angelo Russell to waive the implied no trade clause, yeah. which he he could have blocked a trade. Uh, so, yeah, that was, that was a pretty good move as well for a, a front office that hasn't been as cap savvy as time at times. <laughs> So he I, st- I think he I still did here, get the yeah. player option because everyone has to. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad that now Max Christie has showed out a little bit too. He could be a guy they could trade in the, in the future. So that uh, I was a little just the hood Chiffino pick of, of like now he's just not going to play and like he, he's not going to have any value in a trade either. It's kind of too bad going forward. But uh, I think ultimately I got to go. I'll go A minus here. I went B plus. Um, a couple of slight demerits, but yeah, they did very well overall. And I wonder. I'm I, I'm interested in how like if LeBron James isn't a part of this team beyond 23-24, or maybe even he picks up his option and is going after that. Like how these players will fit in. But Rui, Gabe Vincent, those contracts are totally. Even if Rui's a little bit overpaid, I think they're going to be fine at that point if they end up in a post LeBron world. And maybe that's. Po- and we also don't know. This will be something that affects the grade eventually. It, and it affects it a little bit now is what they resolve with Anthony Davis. Do, does he agree to an extension? Do, does that happen in 24? What does that mean? Does he potentially leave? I don't think he will, but we'll go through all that. That's it for part one. Thank you for subscribing and come back tomorrow for the rest of Nate and Danny's Western Conference grades. Thank you for listening to that free episode of Dunked On. Again, if you want to get the rest of Nate and Danny's Western Conference grades and all their Eastern Conference grades, you can subscribe to Dunked On Prime at Dunked On. That's supporting cast.fm. That's dunkdon.supportingcast.fm. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.